Yo, it's Monday. We have a little Halloween decor hmm. around the stage today, but we have some Ford stuff to talk about. Can someone, you said, can someone else make the news? Talk about Ford's postponed deadline, their employment policy in a year of being meta. You're so meta. meta. I wish I, if I was more clever, I would have come up with a meta way to talk about the introduction. But I didn't because I'm not. <laughs> I think we just did. I think that just happened. <laughs> I think that's actually like, what isn't just that happened. what you just we were did. being so meta. You're being so being meta. meta. Oh my gosh. Oh my means. gosh. Well, uh, we decided to dress up this Halloween. Um, I decided Good to come news. to work as Kyle Mounts here. And myself as Paul J. Daly. Look at us. We, look, I wore a black shirt and a black hat. It was crazy. I did. We we actually do match today. And if you go back and look, we don't match every day. So just, Not every day. This is we obviously have our own sense of somewhat style. It's obviously intentional. <laughs> it's obviously intentional. I wear white shirts sometimes. Every it's once crazy. in a while, when we both land on a white shirt day, that's when you really know we got the flow on that day. <laughs> We're like, "What? You wore the white shirt today?" It's like once every twenty-eight work days, a white shirt gets right. hit. In the wintertime, though, you won't see that. For some reason, I only wear white in the summer. I don't know why. You're like a proper like. <laughs> Roast, whatever the holiday thing Memorial is. Memorial Day, like Labor you Day. You wear white shoes and white pants. You yeah. only wear white shirts in I don't the summer. You're own, proper. I don't own white pants, and I do have white Air Force Ones, but I don't know if they count as shoes. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know about that. Uh, Rick, Rick Tramperino says, does Gary V get royalties for Facebook on Meta? Yeah, right. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think he does. I don't think he does. Hey, we got a few things coming up this week. We are less than two weeks away from uh, going to be in Palm Beach together with a whole crew of, in our opinion, some of the best creatives in automotive. We got Darren Doan, who's not in automotive. He's just like an insane creative. Um, Go go check out his Wikipedia. He's got like over a billion YouTube views on his stuff. Um, Ali Pinon, Nate Grecklick, or Nathaniel Grecklick, we'll call him by his proper name. And we're going to be at the Modern Retail Conference, Brian Pash's Modern Retail Conference, teaching a creative track in, as far as we know, it's the First one ever in automotive. It's not too late to register. Go to a so2.com forward slash MRC to get your tickets. And we also released a new podcast. This will be our fourth podcast, dude. Fourth podcast. Yeah. Uh, so I I, only one episode. It's just us jamming. But you'll get a little insight on what we're actually going to be talking about on these podcasts. Uh, but yeah, it's called In the Dirt with the Soto. You can uh, shop it and you can find it on any podcast platform except google podcast but who listens to podcasts on google anyway uh so uh you can go find that now and <laughs> over the next week or so Too you're early. gonna get like a barrage of really key conversations that we've had uh both from namad and then the 800 percent club meeting that we are at i think it's something like 25 or 26 conversations all in total uh so yeah you'll want to check those out and they're short and zippy if you like short, zippy they podcasts, are. if you play them at 1.5 speed, even shorter and zippier, um, I like those shows, honestly. Yeah. I feel like I have less and less time for long-form content these days, so when I can check in and between five and ten minutes get something to think about, I love that. just gets the juices flowing, you know what I'm saying? Yep, getting the juices. Uh, okay, we have a special segue button today, so I'm trying to think really hard of how to segue into the next uh, I was first trying article. to see if getting the juices flowing. I know, but work, there's nothing. There's really, nothing there. Well, speaking of segues, speaking of segues, <laughs> that's a good segue. <laughs> I just wanted to see Kyle bounce across the screen screen on a bale of hay while we're listening to a little bit of a thriller <laughs> remix. So but all right, so October 31st was a significant day. It used to be. Well, today's deadline 
Today was the deadline for it originally put in place for dealers to make a decision whether or not to invest up to $1.2 million to follow the standards required to sell EVs for the company. Well, that's been postponed until December 2nd uh, after multiple requests from dealers, according to Ford spokesperson Marty Gunsberg. Now, uh, just a little mm. refresher course, two yeah, no, tiers of okay. certification, both require no, no negotiation pricing, and the lower tier doesn't allow the dealer to carry any inventory and uh, limits the number of EVs they can sell. The certifications will last from 2024 to 2026, at which time anyone who did not opt in to certify has an opportunity to do so again. But I don't know. I saw that. I'm assuming the dealers who already signed on for this round have to recertify. Oh, you would think. So I mean, you, why would you invest all that money and be in 2026? Unless in 2026, the world is like, forget EVs, right? That's probably not going to happen. But if you're going to invest all that money, it's going to be charging stations and sure, it's like infrastructure and all that. Mm-hmm. Like you just kind of you're in for the game, you know? Yeah, no, but I'm saying like, if you got to recertify that, that's a pretty smart play on Ford's part to be like, oh, oh. yeah, I'm saying like, oh, oh well, and there's you, another half a million dollars. Oh, that you gotta by the <laughs> way, <laughs> or else. Yeah, got a couple bucks over there. Yeah. No, I, you know, I think, um, obviously like there's been a bunch of the conversations that we're having with Ford dealers and with even just people close to the matter. And then we've had a couple of conversations with, with people that know, you know, the state associations that are working to kind of push back. I saw uh, a letter from Pennsylvania, uh, the, the state association there saw the letter to Ford and Jim Farley just saying, Hey, look, this isn't in the best interest of not just the dealer, but it's not in the best interest of the consumer, meaning consumers are going to have to pick and choose, go find the places where they can have access to these particular vehicles. Now, this isn't like unprecedented. You know, I think everyone's like, never has this been done before. But like, if you wanted to be GTR certified as a Nissan dealer, you had to do certain things. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to be Corvette certified as a as a Chevy dealer, you have to do certain things. Now, it's a little bit more broad market, so I can see the pushback. Well, right. It's always um, been like an individual product and not a whole segment, right? right? A drivetrain yeah. segment. So, but yeah, like it's not totally new, you know, but it is pretty new when it comes to like this broad scale thing. Now, absolutely, we have it on good information. So I wish we had a hearsay button, right? Just to, <laughs> this is just hearsay, but there are, uh, you know, some trade association. Well, this isn't here. Say a group of automotive trade association executives representing associations in Virginia and 11 other southern states this week asked Ford asked Ford to reconsider the Ford Model E program as it is currently described, saying it includes unreasonable restrictions on dealer autonomy. Um, Carlisle White chimes in on on the live stream this morning. He says bad bad deal for us mid market guys. But um, we yeah. also know there are several. Yeah, the smaller the smaller dealerships, like you probably know right off the bat, aren't jumping in on this. The mid market ones, the ones that are like suburban to like a little bit more rural, kind of have to do it to compete with the yeah, larger. Your small market, there's no one else doing it, so you're fine. Mid markets, you're fine. But the mid market ones are tough because you may not have the resources just readily available. It might not be a, a thought process that you typically lean into, um, but you kind of have to comp- to compete with the major market players that are probably close to you. We also know now, that lay, lay it on them, Paul. Lay it on them. Well, we we heard we heard about a significant class action lawsuit <laughs> that was that was a, a a gathering storm on the horizon. Uh, just a few weeks ago. And, you know, we're kind of wondering if enough of these, like they, they saw the line of lawyers out front of the building and they were like, you know, 
Let's okay, just wait. we'll give them another month. Let's just wait till after <laughs> Thanksgiving to deal with this one. <laughs> right? Maybe everybody get the bellies full. You yeah, know, yeah, we'll yeah, be fine. A little, little tryptophan <laughs> up in there, getting a little sleepy. No, but regardless, um, you know, there are obviously a lot of moving parts around this. There are a lot of legal actions. You know, dealers are always going to, you know, advocate for their best interest, the consumer's best interest. Everyone has a different opinion of what that might be at this time. And whenever there's new technology or some level of innovation moving forward, it always gets messy. It always gets messy. So, um, you know, that, that's just kind of what's going on. And there's another 30 days uh, happening. You know, <laughs> ice, ice, baby. This is fantastic. The comments are great today, by the way. Thank you so much for leaving the comments. If you hit those little like buttons and stuff in the video, that's always a fun, fun to watch too, going up on the live stream. So regardless, look, things are changing. Things are moving forward, but uh, not without some friction and some conflict. Speaking of friction and conflict. That's a good segue. <laughs> Seems like an internal email circulated at Ford reveals the company is actively working to get underperforming workers out of the company. So an a, uh, email was circulated back on October 4th to all the U.S. managers uh, that saying that there were kind of two groups of, of employees that, that they were going to be working on and, and working to kind of like prune out the ones that haven't been doing, haven't been cutting it really. So any employees with eight or more years with a company have been given. We're talking uh, about Ford, by the way. Did you say that? So Ford, sorry. We're talking about Ford. So why not just talk about all the Ford stuff today? We're going to do all the Ford stuff. So, uh, so essentially if they've been, if they've been like pegged as underperforming and they've been with the company for eight or more years, they've been given two options, either quote unquote, voluntarily quit and receive a severance package uh, or enroll in this four to six week performance enhancement plan. But the crazy thing is, is if they choose the enhancement plan and still don't perform, severance goes bye-bye. Uh, yeah, so. I mean, that's strong. Like, uh, uh, here's, my, here's my thought on this. Who's taking the bet, you know? Well, those who, the people who really want it. And I think it's, I think it's a, a pretty fair way to deal with a changing company Right. Like it, it's easy to look, you know, if you've, you're not in management or you haven't been a part of a company in transition, like it's easy to say, like, how dare you let these people go? They've been with you for a long time. You know, the company's changing Jim Farley's restructuring and he's saying like, hey, we know what, it, what was the quote? We have it here down, down the line. Um, you know, in July, Farley said, we absolutely have too many people in certain places, no doubt about it. And we have skills that don't work anymore. And we have jobs that need to change. Right. If we're going to restructure the company, knowing that we need to provide, um, these things in the future, then we're just not staffed for that. It seems as if though they're, they're making a way to say like, Hey, if you really want this, right, we need the people who are going to lean in and perform and help pull the sled. Right. And that's how we're going to go. And if we see that you're not doing that, we're actually going to give you an opportunity to fix it instead of just deciding, right. right we're going to let people self-select. Maybe I want to leave and have the severance, but I mean, there's kind of like a line of accountability where he's like, well, if you're going to stay and you're going to you're going to go through the course and we're going to put those resources into you and we want to see you excel. If you're going to stay, then you actually have to improve, right? You really have, uh, what I hear you saying is like, you really have to believe. Well, here's my yourself. problem. Here's my problem. It's sent to all the managers yep. so that they can focus on the underperformers that aren't managers. Yeah. But typically <laughs> culture like this is a leadership problem. It's not a people. Problem. Well, I have a Just feeling. I have a feeling. If you're a manager, there's a couple and managers on that list. No, I think yeah. if you're a manager and you're underperforming, 
I don't think you get, you don't get the choice, right? To your point, yeah. like if there's a leadership <laughs> issue, if you're underperforming as a manager, I think the senior leadership is saying like, nah, like we kind of have a benchmark require of leaderships is as that they yeah. perform at a high level. So yeah. again, summary, you can take the performance, you know, performance improvement class four to six weeks. It's, it's said to be pretty in, in, uh, intensive or voluntarily quit. And if you don't quit or you quit, and you get a nice severance package. If you don't quit and you go through the course and you do well, you get to stay. If not, then you don't get the severance package. Um, there's so also some um, employees that have under seven years of service. And if you're underperforming, you have under seven years of service, then um, you will be discharged with a severance. They're not going to give you. So there's a little a little nod toward. I appreciate you know, that at least like the legacy employees are getting some level of differentiation. Yeah. Like, Hey, we appreciate your length of service. Yeah. Um, and they get, still, get the benefit you know. of the doubt. I mean, it's tough. Look, not, yeah. stuff like this is never easy. If you've ever had to make changes in a company, you know that um, whenever you're talking about people's lives, whenever you're talking about their livelihoods, especially when they've been with the company for a long time, it is a difficult, difficult situation. My position is always that, it is business. You do have to take care of the whole thing because if the whole thing sinks, yep. then everyone that relies on the company uh, goes down with it. And it is a good thing to even treat people with dignity, respect, right? And honor Absolutely. on their way out. And, and most people in the company will remember how people are moved out of the company much more than they remember how people are moved into the company. Yep. Well, and you think about this, like the... Um, <laughs> How many people that are underperforming at their jobs are unhappy and could find, you know, something oh, better yes. elsewhere? Like yes. the, the chances of that happening on mass are, are probably pretty high. And uh, I'm just guessing. I'm just throwing it out there. The minute this happens, everyone's going to be like X Ford employees search on LinkedIn. Go find some people. Absolutely. Right? No, absolutely. And they'll probably find a better fit. And they'll be engaged and have that start that, you know, that job starting energy. And, and we think it could probably end up pretty good for everybody. In the real world. Speaking of the real world. That's a good segue. I for that one. I mean, look, this is the uh, last yeah, thing we use the button. The whole that's a good segue thing. Yeah. I mean, that's it a was bad a segue. segue. That's a that's segue. A bad segue. <laughs> that's a uh, well, segue. if you remember a year ago, and we do because we were doing this show a year ago, Facebook hits one right. year anniversary of its transformation to its current name, Beta, and investors as well as the public. Do not seem very excited about it. If you remember in early 2021, then Facebook was taking punches from leaked internal sources. They were talking about the company's negative impact on society, concerns about what Apple's privacy rules were going to do to its advertising revenue, uh, the upswing of TikTok. TikTok a year ago wasn't what it is now, but it was certainly on its way. Um, and the company kind of used the name change to kind of shift the narrative and, you know, kind of get a good narrative and some good momentum going, invested billions and billions in metaverse dev. Um, and they just announced their second ever in the history of the company. It's revenue drop, profits got cut in half. And dude, it had a trillion dollar market cap a year ago. And now it's under, That's now it's under 250 billion, which is actually less than Home Depot, which in my mind, Home Depot is kind of like the antithesis of the metaverse, right? Home like Depot is real stuff like, yeah, that you build real stuff with. <laughs> <laughs> That's just perfect, right? Isn't it though? It's like steady. Dude. Yeah. It's just like uh, right there. Yeah. So well, here's here's what's crazy to me is like they literally, I mean, we saw this where just everything was poured into the metaverse. 
so much so that like literally every job title had some level of metaverse or the job description had it. And then all of a sudden, early summer, all those jobs just start disappearing and it's going by the wayside. And uh, it's quite clear that um, it's quite clear that investing too heavily in the metaverse right now, that the ecosystem just isn't ready for it. Even there, if there's a future for that, I mean, you know, it, it's interesting, like it's not like they're cutting out the program altogether. No. Um, but okay. it is saying that like that aggressive an, of an approach to it is not the way is not the way to go. There's, but I will say, uh, basically, no one remembers those internally leaked documents about how bad the company culture and the way that their algorithms happen. Nobody remembers that because everybody's just been talking about meta in the metaverse for a year. So, yeah. you know, brand play. <laughs> Definitely a brand play. I don't know for better or for worse. Who the heck knows? But it's meta now. Um, so Jim Cramer, you know Jim Cramer, bad money guy? Yeah. He's always yelling and hitting the bell and things like that. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. he was just about in tears as he apologized on, on his show, or maybe it wasn't his show, he's being interviewed, wow. because he was constantly encouraging people to invest. He's like, it's going to go up. It can't go anywhere but up now. It's down. And he was almost in tears saying, like, I got it wrong. You know, um, he's like, I trusted the management team wow. to put limits on the spending and limits on the investment. Um, I also think there's another thing that wasn't mentioned in any of the articles, but it, it's surrounding the culture upswing, downswing around NFTs and blockchain, right? We've talked about how that traffic, so people tra trading NFTs has dropped yeah. so substantially and only the people that had built real community around them are still doing well. And the metaverse, the premise of the metaverse is kind of trading in this world where things are not fungible, right? And like, so blockchain and NFTs and the metaverse all really did have a party going together, you know? And so yeah. when that block, well, it's interesting because the, uh, the crypto.com, um, the, the Matt Damon commercial yeah, launched just about a year ago. Oh now my too. goodness. Right. So like yeah. you think about that, like fortune favors the bold, everyone's leaning in, like there's just been so much change, even in the energy that we, you know, I remember back when we started this podcast, every single day, there was something new about the metaverse or crypto mm -hmm. or NFTs or a new community getting started or the uptick in, in Bitcoin every day. And it's just not a reality in the like news ecosystem in the, in the cultural climate at all right now. That's true. CEO Mark Zuckerberg uh, defended the company's work saying, I'd say there's a difference between something being experimental and not knowing how good it is going to end up being. Uh, in a separate statement, he also added, I think people are going to look back decades from now and talk about the importance of the work that was done here. My final what he's saying in short is, <laughs> is, is sometimes early looks wrong. Yeah, he is saying that. And we'll see. I think the real reason for this, don't quote me on this, but I'm just going to say it live on the oh, show. Boy. It's absolutely coincidental that this happened after Meta Bob left and became Bob now. <laughs> <laughs> Had nothing Meta to Bob do. turned Bob now and the whole company is tanking. The whole company knew about it. He was really running the show. Look, speaking of people running the show, not going to hit the segue button again. But you have a real opportunity today to go out and despite what's going on everywhere else, you can go out there, work for a positive future, impact some lives and serve somebody, huh?